be able to worship God together. And uh, if you're joining us online or you're here in person, we're so glad that you're with us today. Let me pray before the Word of God. Father, I thank you today for your amazing love and grace. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather according to your Word, to be able to worship you, to be able to sense and experience your presence. And Lord, to honor you, to encourage one another in our faith. And we thank you, Lord, that in these days you are, you are moving by your Spirit, that even in the midst of all that is taking place around the world, your plan is still on track, your purpose is being fulfilled, your kingdom is coming, and your will is being done in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Good to be together again, and uh, just a couple of things to highlight uh, this morning is that next Sunday is our, our Vision Sunday. Uh, every year at the beginning of the year, usually the last weekend in January, we have a Vision Sunday. And of course, everyone, if you were here last year and you were a part of our Vision Sunday 2020, no one had any idea what was going to happen. And so many of the plans and so many of the initiatives that we had organized uh, were kind of disrupted uh, by something called COVID-19 and all of the response, the global response to that. So, of course, uh, many of those things that we had in our hearts and in our, were in our vision, uh, the timeline was disrupted. But those things still remain in our heart. And what we're not sure about is the timeline. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back? That's for sure. We don't know the timeline. Uh, the reality is that many things in life, our timeline gets disrupted, it gets challenged. So this coming Sunday is going to be Vision Sunday, and I want to encourage you to, to uh, be a part of that, whether it's online or whether it's here at our church, so that we can share some of what we're going to be doing, and we're just going to kind of slice this year up into two parts, the first six months and the second six months. So part one will be January through, or February rather, through to the end of June, and just sharing some of the things, some of the, some of the, some of the things that we want to be focusing on as a church during this time, and then moving on. And then on the Tuesday, February the 2nd is the first Tuesday of the month, we're reinstating our first Tuesdays. First Tuesdays are a time when we as a church have got together for worship, prayer, uh, read, uh, study of the Word, and a time where we can share vision together. And on that Tuesday, February the 2nd, we're going to be unpacking the vision and what that's actually going to look like in a practical sense. So I want to encourage you to, to put that in your calendars. If you're at, you can join us online at home, or you can come here to the church. We'll let you know what that is going to look like. Of course, we want to kind of keep, you know, all the protocols and everything that are in place. We want to be trying to to uh, observe those as much as we possibly can. So, those are a couple of things that are, are coming up, and I'm excited about that. How are you going with your 21 days of prayer and fasting? 14 days into it, only seven days to go. I'm enjoying it, to be perfectly honest. It's been good, a good kind of time to reset. want to encourage you to finish strong, and if you haven't started or joined us, you can do that. 
daily devotionals. Have you been able to see those either on our, on our Instagram posts or on our website? Um, I've been filming a short two-minute video uh, for that and also been writing a devotional for each day. So I hope those have been encouraging. You can catch up with that if you haven't yet done that. So here we go. Are you ready for the word? Good. So we're talking about welcome home. Just kidding. We are talking about reset, renew, and rebuild. Okay. And before we do that, I want to share something with you that is kind of like in my heart and in my spirit. It's something that we were discussing as a team on Tuesday about the power of taking notes. And I want to really encourage you so that we can develop a culture of taking notes whenever we hear a message. And here's an interesting statistic. Um, and I don't want you to feel condemned if, you'd, <laughs> if you're not writing notes in a notebook or in a journal. Uh, my wife does it, and she has a, a lot, going back 20 years, she has 20 years of journals. And she's much more creative than me when she writes. I go back to those, and I go, I remember a message 15 years ago when we first started, or 14 years ago when we first started the church. I want to find it. I go through it. I find it, and I read it, and it reminds me of what that was. And she does it in a very creative manner. And I've kind of, I've got to tell you, I've been like a double-minded man, unstable in all my ways when it's come to taking notes, because some of them I take on my iPhone, I, I think all of a sudden, well, that's the way to go, and then others I put in my notebook, and then I can never find any of them. So, I want to encourage you with this. Um, so, here's an interesting thing, statistic, and of course, these statistics are, can be, you know, there are variables of these statistics, but basically, after one hour, people retain less than half of the information presented. So, some people, I might ask them, what was the message about last Sunday? And they'll say, well, it was really good, but I can't remember what it was about. Uh, after one day, people forget more than 70% of what was taught in training. After six days, people forget 75% of the information in their training. Those are statistics. So if you're like me, I think that's a great thought. I'll remember it. We don't. It goes out of our mind. So uh, this... These statistics, again, there are variables. 10% people retain, we retain 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we say and write, 90% of what we do. And uh, the interesting thing that I've discovered is that typing may be faster and more uh, uh, convenient but writing improves our memory recall and encourages us to recall what we're listening to. So when we, when we type, we use fine motor skills in a more limited way than when we write. Of course, my writing, my teachers at school told me that my writing was like a spider that had fallen into an ink pot and crawled across the page. But it requires fine motor skills. <laughs> My family have learned to decipher my writing. I write like a doctor. Writing each letter by hand or each word by hand requires more dexterity than punching it in 
with our thumbs on our iPhone or, or on a computer. And so what happens is when we're actually writing, the combination of those skills that are required enforce the learning process. So I just want to encourage you. It's a word of encouragement. You don't have to do it. But I want to encourage you, let's develop a culture of taking notes. Not just me. I mean, I'd like you to take notes uh, when, I, when I speak. But if you're listening to any message or you're listening to anything, I encourage you, write and take the notes, and uh, it will help you to retain it. And it's a great exercise. The other thing is uh, the, 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 the reality of distraction. When, you take it, when I'm taking notes on my iPhone, I get notifications. I get things that are popping up, I get emails, I get all sorts of communication, and it takes my mind off what I should be focusing on. And like you, I am very easily distracted. So there we go. Confession is good for the soul. All right, are we ready? We've been talking about resetting, renewing, and rebuilding, and the framework for the message series, this is the third, and in a sense, the final part or this is the introduction to the theme that I want to share next week in Vision Sunday, what our theme is going to be for 2021. And this is the ground, this is the, if you like, this is the foundation. These are the building blocks of what I want to be sharing as we move forward. So these messages are important. If you didn't get to hear the last one or the first one, the first one was Reset. The second one last week was renew, this week is rebuild. The story or the setting of it is the nation of Israel has been dislocated from the promised land, dislocated from uh, the nation or the land of Israel, and taken into captivity by the Assyrians in the northern, northern part of Israel, the uh, Babylonians, the tribe of Judah, and they've been dislocated. The land has been repopulated by people who were not native to that land, but people who came from other lands. And uh, at the end of 70 years, according to the prophetic word of God, Cyrus, who is, a, who is a pagan king, he's the king of Persia, was not, a, 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 was not a, a person who recognized God, uh, the God of Israel, as the God that he worshipped in his in his early years, has a revelation. What an amazing thing it is when we have a revelation. He had an epiphany. He had a moment. I had a moment at the age of 23 where I had an epiphany that Jesus Christ was not only a way, but he was the way to God. That transformed and changed my life. And this was one of those Kairos moments, a, a moment, a God-appointed, God-anointed moment when Cyrus had a revelation that the Israelites, the tribe of Judah, should return to Jerusalem, they should rebuild the city of uh, the, the temple and rebuild the city and its gates. And so, what took place was a reset. They moved. They relocated from uh, from uh, Persia, or in, in actual fact, it was Babylon that the Persians had now occupied, they relocated from Babylon back to the promised land. They reset. Then Ezra came and he began to renew the patterns of worship that the people had forgotten. And then he began, they began to rebuild the temple and rebuild the city 
walls. So this is what we see, we read here. Ezra 1, verse 1. Capítulo 1, versículo 1. Para todos los que hablan el idioma celestial. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing saying, thus says the king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of the God, house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So what we find in this story is Biblical principles for resetting, for renewing, and rebuilding any aspect of our lives, any aspect of our community, any aspect of what needs to be reset, renewed, and rebuilt. And this is a prophetic word. I believe this is a prophetic word for where we are now. There are many, many similarities between what took place then and what happened now with this last year, almost 12 months of lockdown in COVID, the biggest disruption that any of us have had during our lifetimes. So they were dislocated for 70 years. We've been disrupted this last year. Their temple was destroyed. Our church structures have been disrupted. So, they were socially displaced. We have had to be socially distanced. And so, whether it's in our daily work, whether it's schools, whether it's recreational activities or whatever, there are many, many similarities that we can uh, lay a hold of as we look at our lives. And a couple of things before I look at the subject of the rebuild. Uh, first of all, Cyrus said, God has given me a revelation. Let anyone who wants to return to rebuild, let them rebuild. Let them let them go. Who is there among you? And I want to say to you today that just as Cyrus started a reset for the nation of Israel, we are at a moment in our time at the end of this last year where we are ready, uh, where, where God is wanting to bring about a divine reset. Thank you for that underwhelming response. A divine reset. And if we want to be a part of that divine reset, then that requires revelation. Has anyone heard about the global reset that is being talked about by leaders of many nations? Well, there may be a global reset that's going on, but right now God is, God is bringing about a divine reset. And God is asking us the same question. Who is there among you who wants to be a part of that divine reset? Who is there among you that wants to go? Who is there amongst you that wants to reset, renew, and rebuild so that we can be a part of this next season of what God is wanting to do on His planet because we need a reset? 
We can't keep going the way we've been going. I'm sure you agree with that. We can't keep doing the things we've been doing. We need to make those steps. So first of all, we need to have a revelation, not just information. We need a revelation. And I talked about that last week. The second thing is we need to renew. Ezra renewed the patterns of worship that had been lost. We need to renew patterns of worship that have become disrupted. We need to renew patterns of worship that have been lost. And when we want to find out what is that pattern, what pattern should we follow, the Ezra did what we should all do. He went back to the original pattern. And so what is the pattern? We go back to the original pattern of God's Word. We rediscover the right pattern. And I shared this the other day, and I want to share it again because I feel like this is a foundational pattern, and this is not a a formula. How many of you know God is not limited by formulas? But here we find that this pattern, and I think it's going up on the screen, that the worship and word, worship and word. Ezra is all about the worship and word, worship and word. These are fundamental aspects of our spiritual life. Worship and word bring God's presence. God's presence brings God's power and God's power brings God's provision. That's a pattern for our lives. And very often we want, we're looking for God's provision, and God says, no, yes, I want to provide for you. He doesn't say no. God says, I want, that's me. God's saying, I want to provide for you, but I want you to go back to the beginning. I want you to go back to your worship of me. I want you to go back to the Word of God. I want you to experience my presence, and when you do, my power will begin to flow, and my provision will begin to flow. We get it back to front often. We're looking for the gift rather than the giver of the gift. We're looking for the provision rather than the provider of the provision. So here we go. So rebuild. Ezra rebuilt, and Nehemiah, Ezra rebuilt the the temple. That is the spiritual life. And I want to highlight that I'm painting broad brushstrokes here. I'm not looking, I'm not going into the fine detail. Some of this we can go into or you can go into in your own study. But these are the broad brushstrokes. Ezra began by rebuilding the temple. He began with, God begins with our spiritual life. If God wants to rebuild something in us, He begins with our spiritual life. The first thing Ezra rebuilt, was the altar. That speaks of our heart. Out of our heart flow all of the issues of life. We want to start to rebuild aspects or areas of our lives. We start with our hearts. It begins in our heart. Secondly, the walls. The walls spoke of their structures, the walls that protected them, the walls that provided refuge for the vulnerable and a safe place for people to flourish. The purpose of structure in our lives and the structures in our lives, whatever they are, whether it's structure in our personal life, in our home life, in our church life, in our work situation, the, the purpose of those structures is so that we can flourish in every area of our lives. Part of the reason that sometimes we don't flourish where we want to flourish is there's no structure to our lives. We just live moment to moment. We just live kind of randomly. We live you know, the way with, I feel like doing this now, or I feel like doing that now. 
Um, but when we have structure and we rebuild structure in our thinking, we don't let our mind wander. I don't know about you, but my mind has a, an amazing ability to wander if I don't reel it back in. My mind, my heart, my, my emotions, my, my spirit. I need to have some structure there. And then the gates speak of authority. The gates determine who came into the city, who went out of the city. Hey, we have authority. Thank God for that in Jesus' name. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, Jesus said. There's the reality of that authority. So, I have authority over my mind that wanders because I can speak to my mind. Mind, get back in line. Emotions, my will, all of the, every aspect of my life, I, as a son of God, you as a son or daughter of God, have authority to be in control of every aspect and area of our lives. So this was the rebuilding process that needed to take place. So just as an overview, reset required revelation. Renew required renewal. And thirdly, rebuilding required resilience. If you haven't noticed, all beginning with RE. Reset required revelation. I need to have a revelation. Renew required renewal. I need to be consistently renewed. And then rebuilding requires resilience. Oh my gosh, I was thinking the other day of our home that Di and I uh, uh, did a major renovation, we call it a renovation in, in Australia, a rebuild in Australia before we moved over here. We chopped off half of an old Federation 1920s house, and we built two levels on the back, and it was, a, it was actually a four-year project from the first day we spoke to the architects to the job being completed, and I've got to tell you, it required resilience. We got opposition from the city. We got opposition from the neighbors. We got uh, the kind of challenges that you face with, you know, how your vision always exceeds your budget. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And all of those things that were involved in the process, all of trying to, trying to work with the builders. <laughs> I've got some stories I could tell you about that, but all of that that involved the rebuilding of the rebuilding project <laughs> required resilience for years that we could have given up very easily. And, um, but the reality is, because of resilience, we were able to see it fulfilled. And I know that God wants to rebuild aspects of our life. I know that in this season, God wants us as a church to rise up. We don't want COVID to have the last word. We don't want restriction to have the last word. We don't want, you know, uh, kind of the drop-off that has come with, with in every area of life where, where the disconnect that can take place, we don't want disconnect to have the last word. No, we want to have the last word as the people of God. We want to rise up above our circumstances. We want to rise up above our situation. Many of the structures that have been broken down need to be rebuilt. So three things that we need 
or two things that we need to rebuild. Number one, we need a plan. What's your plan for your life for 2021? What's our plan as a church for 2021? We're going to be sharing that next week. A rebuilding program requires a plan. And God told Moses when he was going to build the tabernacle, he said this, you must build the tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you or the plan I show you. God is the master architect. So let's ask God for a plan. Can I encourage you? Ask God for a plan for 2021. You may have a word for 2021, but what's the plan for 2021? And when Ezra went to Nehemiah, or when Ezra went to the king or talked to the king, to Cyrus, the king basically um, asked him what his plan was. And when Nehemiah went to the king, uh, who at that time was Darius, when Nehemiah went to Darius, Darius said to him, Nehemiah 2, verse 6 to 8, Ezra rebuilt the temple, Nehemiah rebuilt the city walls and gates. Nehemiah, God's, the king said to him, the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king and I, and to send me and I set him a time. In other words, the king was saying, I'm going to resource you, but what's your plan? What's your timeline? Can I encourage you as you're asking God 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're asking God, God, can you resource us? God, can you uh, help us? in this process, uh, say to God, this is, my, this is what's in my heart. This is my plan for this year. And, and because of that, the king provided for him. He provided letters to be given to the governors of that region to give him authority. So what's God going to do when we ask him for a plan? He's going to give us authority to perform that. So that we're not just doing it in our own strength, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. When we're aligning our plan with God's plan, we can know that authority that God has for our lives. How do I know whether my plan aligns with God's plan? If you have a plan to take over the world in your name, it's probably not in God's plan. But if you look in the Word of God, you'll find God's plan for humanity. And when I align my plan with God's plan, then I can ask God for letters of authority. My business, my business has a, beyond just making a living, has a kingdom purpose. My work has a kingdom purpose. My involvement in the church has a kingdom purpose. There's a kingdom purpose to what I'm doing. So I'm asking you, God, for letters of authority. So secondly, what a plan requires, of course, is resources. Every vision needs a plan. And every vision needs provision. So, what did, what did, provision came from the very moment Ezra asked Cyrus. Cyrus said, let everyone who, maybe those who are not going to go, you provide for them. You provide resource for them. And Cyrus actually took the articles of the temple that had been pillaged by the Babylonians and taken to Babylon and he gave the articles of the temple back to Ezra, and Ezra took them back to Jerusalem. 
Cyrus provided for the people of God. And then everyone who was a part of that, the, 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 fam, the, the people of God at that time provided also. Ezra 2, 68 to 69, when they came to the house of God, of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, they offered freely for the house of God to erect it in its place according to their ability, each one gave to the treasury of the work. And here's the thing, that the, the, the provision flowed. The provision came for them for the plan that they had. And I want to encourage you, believe God for the provision, for the vision that you have for your life, for your future, for your family, and also for us as a church to believe for God's provision for our future. Here's the interesting thing. Sometimes we wait for provision before we start to build. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we wait for provision before we start to build. But when you look at this story, the provision began to flow as they began to fulfill the vision. So I'm encouraging you, don't wait. Let's not sit around and wait until someone officially says, COVID-19 is over. Not, not going to be around. Listen, COVID has been around for 40 years. This is just a version of that virus that has been with us for 40 years. COVID's not the, what we're, we're not waiting for COVID. We got to, don't let, don't let disruption have the last word. And I know I'm repeating and reiterating this, but if you were looking at any of the devotions this week, repetition is good. Our brain raves, craves repetition. We learn by repetition. The, uh, the rule of seven says you need to hear seven times, something seven times before it sticks. Provision began to flow as they began to fulfill the vision. And then they needed resilience. So they needed a plan, they needed resource, and they needed resilience. And we need to have resilience. Resilience is the dictionary, one of the dictionary definitions is the capacity to recover quickly from or adapt to difficulties, misfortune, or change. I'm going to say that again. The capacity to recover quickly from or adapt to difficulties, misfortune, or change. We're all going to need resilience in life because we know that we have a spiritual enemy, in case you had not noticed. Who does not like the direction your life is taking? I've heard people say, my life was great until I became a Christian. Then all of a sudden, I encountered opposition. Why do you think you encountered opposition? You were going the wrong way before. Now you're going the right way, and the enemy wants to disrupt you. He wants to stop what you're doing. The enemy has wanted this last 12 months to not only disrupt, but displace and destroy the church. And we have a responsibility to rise up and be the church in this day. And so the enemy came against us, and just as a you know, bird's eye view, the enemy came against them and succeeded in stopping them in the rebuilding of the temple for 20 years. That's a long time. 20 years they stopped. This is what we read in Ezra chapter 4 and verses 4 to 5 in the Message Bible. This is speaking about the local people. The local people, as I said before, were what we would know in the New Testament as Samaritans. They were people who had been 
the, the policy in those days was when a country was invaded, you, ex, you took all the locals. Uh, this was certainly the Babylonian uh, uh, strategy. They invaded Israel, then they expatriated. They took everyone out of the land, they removed them from the land, and then they took peoples from another land and they moved them into the land in order that they could better control them. And so the people that were there, they didn't want the Jews to come back and take possession of the promised land. And so it says in Ezra 4, 4 to 5, in the message version of the Bible, so these people started beating down the morale of the people of Judah, harassing them as they built. They even hired propagandists to sap their resolve. They kept this up for about 15 years throughout the lifetime of Cyrus, king of Persia, and on into the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So they opposed them. They, Of course, we know that opposition does not just come from a natural source. It comes from a spiritual source, the enemy of their soul. And here's what um, I, I, I want to just kind of encourage you in. The enemy tried all sorts of ways of discouraging them. He, he tried to discourage them by infiltration. They infiltrated the locals. They said, we'll, we'll build with you. We'll help you. But their goal was not to help them. It was to hinder them. It was a mixture, a mixture of philosophies, a mixture of culture, a mixture of worldview, a mixture that was not going to bring about God's purpose. They tried to infiltrate them. They tried to, they tried to frustrate them. It says in Ezra 4, 1 to 6, then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people. So here's, and, and I want you to take note of this as I, as, as I wrap up right now. First of all, they tried, to dis they, they, they tried to infiltrate them uh, um, earlier in it says Ezra 4 verse 2 let us build with you for we worship your God just as you do <laughs> no they didn't no they didn't we worship the same God as you yeah but we just live our lives very differently no so that was infiltration. This is, the, this is the strategy of the enemy. I want you to take note of this. First of all, infiltration. If he can water down the purity of our vision, if he can water down the purity of our values, if he can water down the purity of our faith, he will, he will have won the battle. So number one, infiltration. The second thing is, then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people. So discouragement. Hey, discouragement is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. So easy to get discouraged. Hey, I'm not asking for a show of hands, whether you're in your homes or whether you're here in person. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I guarantee every single person I know this year has experienced discouragement in some way or shape or form. So the enemy tried to discourage them. Secondly, and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. The third thing that the enemy does. Number one, he tries to infiltrate. Number two, he tries to discourage. Number three, he tries to intimidate. The enemy is an intimidator. He's going to tell you, you can't do that. 
you're not going to be able to do that. And they said, the people, the, the locals said, yeah, look at these, what these feeble Israelites are trying to do. Even a fox could break down the wall if it walked on it. Tries to intimidate us. Do not give in to intimidation of the enemy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then it goes on to say that they bribed agents to work against them and frustrate their plans. The next thing that the enemy tries to do is he tries to frustrate us. Anyone felt frustrated? I don't know. As a pastor this last year, I felt very frustrated in the whole leading of a church and my role as a pastor and my role as a leader, and, and, and I've had to adapt and I've had to learn different ways of connecting and communicating with people than we did in the past. The enemy will always try to frustrate us. Guaranteed, everyone has, has, has felt frustrated during this year. And then it goes on to say, years later when Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. False accusation. Has anyone ever been the victim of false accusation? Maybe you haven't been the victim of false accusation, but you've been the victim of being misunderstood or misinterpreted. And the enemy will always use that to try and frustrate us, discourage us, and undermine us. When we rebuild, I'm going to ask our worship team to come. When we, we rebuild, we are going to face all sorts of opposition. And I want to encourage you in our, in our commitment to reset, in our commitment to renew, in our commitment to rebuild, whether it's personally, whether it's in our personal home life, our, our internal world, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our church, whether it's in our community. The enemy hates what we are wanting to do. He wants us to submit, to put ourselves under His mission rather than God's mission. He's going to try to oppose us. But the very fact that we are being opposed is because we are on the right track. We're heading the right way because we've made a determination in our hearts. We have a predestined, predetermined destination that we have set our heart on, that we have set our vision on, that we have set our minds on, so that we can reset, renew, rebuild in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. We're going to worship God for a moment. Would you stand with me? I love that song. Uh, let the ruins come to life. Such great words, such a great song that really kind of expresses the very heart of what we're talking about today. Come on, let's worship God together for a few moments. God, we worship you this morning. We worship you together in spirit and in truth.
just to ask those maybe watching online or anyone that's listening in today, whether you're listening to this at a later stage, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, that is the greatest reset that could ever take place in anybody's life. Jesus came 2,000 years ago so that we could all have a divine reset. And that reset means that we are we become a new creation. We are renewed. Jesus said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And then we can begin to rebuild our lives according to the pattern of his word. And we can know the power of his spirit working in us and through us to rebuild every aspect of our lives. And all of that comes simply by coming to a place where we accept the fact that we need to be forgiven. We need a new start. We need our slate wiped clean. And Jesus did that 2,000 years ago when he hung on the cross. He took our sins upon himself so we would not have to pay the penalty of our sin so that we could go free. We could begin a new life and we could have the, the, the gift of eternal life with him and if you've never prayed that prayer or you wanting to pray that prayer again because you know you've deviated you've become disconnected from God I want to encourage you to join us in that prayer as we pray it today and I know that God will hear your prayer he'll answer your prayer and you'll know his presence his peace and his love working on the inside of you come on let's pray together Heavenly Father I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Help me to reset. Give me a brand new start. I accept you as my personal Savior and my Lord. Help me to renew my life through your Spirit. Help me to rebuild through the power of your Holy Spirit to live my life for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to do everything we can to connect with you. 
Uh, we have some material, a book called Following Jesus. We'd love to give to you, put that in your hands or send it to you. Let us know uh, online on the screen. There's a number of ways that, and on your screen at home, are a number of ways that you can do that. And uh, we'd love to connect with you, help you in that journey along the way. Well, before we go, just a couple of reminders. Next Sunday is Vision Sunday. want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, Jake and Raquel Damron, who will, have been doing the worship for our Spanish service, are going to be with us. They're relocating here to California, going to be a part of our team. And uh, we're very excited about that. They're going to be with us next Sunday with our worship team. And... and uh, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a great Sunday, and I want to pray for you now. Um, let's pray that God's Word would resonate in our heart, and that we can reset, renew, and rebuild. I also want to take a moment to pray uh, for our nation at this time, for the new administration, and the Bible tells us we should pray for our leaders, pray for kings, pray for those in authority, pray for your president. So we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for God's grace to prevail in every aspect and area of our lives and our world, our nation, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person here. I pray, Lord, that your word would work powerfully in our lives, bring about transformation in us, Lord, because we're aligning our lives with you and your word. Oh God, may your kingdom come in us and may your kingdom come through us. May your will be done in us and your will be done through us. We pray for our nation in this time. We pray for unity. We pray for peace. We pray, Lord, for decisions that would be made that would, that would be in line with your, your purpose and plan for humanity to bring peace, to bring life and goodness to our world. We pray for the president and the current new administration. We pray, God, for wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would work in everyone, in every way. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. And we thank you that your kingdom is coming. Your will is being done of the increase of your government and peace. There shall be no end. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen, and amen, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Looks forward to seeing you next Sunday.